you're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Now, my final guest this evening is Oshin Davis, who writes an award-winning monthly column in Food & Wine magazine with a business post and is a regular radio and TV contributor. Oshin recently penned Irish Kitchen Cocktails, which shows you how easy it is to make cocktails with Irish spirits using everyday kitchen equipment. Let's find out more. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Oshin, great to have you on the programme. Congratulations on your book, Irish Kitchen Cocktails, which has just been recently launched. It's a fabulous book. And before we get to talk a bit more about the book in detail, I just want to find out a bit more about you. You're based up in Dublin, but you were actually born in the US. Yeah, I'm originally from Jersey City, uh, which is right across the Hudson River from Manhattan. Uh, my old man was a Yank and my mother's from Dublin. I lived there till I was 10. Um, and um, I suppose we were part of a, a, a very strong Irish-American community there in Jersey City. Uh, in the 80s then, uh, my mother decided to go back to Dublin. My parents had split up and she just felt that that was a safer option for us. It was getting quite rough, that city at that time. So she decided it would be a good option for us to come back. And then, um, yeah, I, I, I settled in Dublin very quickly, lost my accent, as you can probably hear. I was just <laughs> you don't really have an American no, not, not in the slightest. I think I think I had a beaten out of me in school. From the get-go, like a lot of people growing up in Dublin and in, in, in Ireland, I suppose, in general, you know, one of my first jobs was working in, in, in the local pub and I really got into it. I, I thought it was great. I, I enjoyed the, the whole notion of people coming together, having the crack, having a good time. Uh, I quickly started um, working in various types of hospitality, um, but settled really in in promotion. I was I I, I had a I suppose a real love for um, throwing parties and getting people together. Um, I became a, 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 a promoter of uh, gigs and events and, and parties and club nights. Uh, did a bit of DJing there as well. I worked as an entertainment manager for the Harcourt Hotel. And then I did a stint in, in, in San Francisco where I worked for a corporate entertainment company and worked as a doorman in, in, a, in, a, in a bar. But what was happening in San Fran at that particular moment in the, in the late 90s was that there was a cocktail renaissance taking place in San Fran and a couple of other cities like that. Uh, and um, I started enjoying uh, and frequenting some of the, the, the better kind of cocktail bars that were doing it properly, you know, using freshly made ingredients, using um, really good quality spirits, you know, learning how to make the, the, the cocktails properly. I hadn't a clue how to uh, make them now. I just started enjoying them like lots of other people in San Fran at the time. And then when I, I moved back to... Um, to Dublin in 1999 because I, I had an opportunity to uh, to take on a role uh, for setting up a brand new space on Leeson Street. And that was a, an old film theatre. It was called the Irish Film Theatre, the IFT. Uh, its entrance used to be on, um, uh, on the other side there uh, where the National Concert Hall is. Um, from 1963 and 1985, it operated, but for 13 years, it had been lying dormant, collecting dust. And I um, worked 
with with the person developing it there and uh we turned it into what is now known as the sugar club and what happened was um i mean i knew how to club, run club nights i knew how to promote club nights i knew how to you know um get people together it spread the word you know all that kind of thing i didn't really i had no idea at all though how to make a drink um and I was convinced that cocktails were going to be, you know, a big hit. I, I, I had just this, this inkling that cocktails would, would really be something that, that would make the, the place stand out. And um, I, I distinctly remember, though, ringing up reps, calling them and um, saying, hey, my name is Oshin. I'm, I'm setting up a place on, on Leeson Street. Uh, it's going to be called the Sugar Club. We're hoping to open in August and we want to turn it into a club and new music venue that serves cocktails and on a couple of occasions reps would just hang up on me like literally like you know they, 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 or, and those that did engage with me um tended to think that we were just stone cold mad trying to open up a, a cocktail bar on on Leeson, a cocktail club on Leeson street but a couple of people you know stuck with us a couple of really cool um uh you know and and interesting companies got behind us and supported us and uh, what happened was, just when we had opened, along came a TV show called Sex in the City that made, and that actually was a huge international, global, um, uh, you know, platform for cocktails. Because even in, uh, in, 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 in cities that had a cocktail culture, like London and New York, um, that, that particular uh, TV show really propelled cocktails into the mainstream, as it were. You know, and within, within about six months of opening, you couldn't go into the place without seeing a, a, a cosmopolitan on the table. And then the lads didn't feel quite as, as secure, you know, drinking a, a pink drink in a martini glass. So we'd recommend the lads would have maybe a mojito or a long island iced tea, you know. And, uh, but what happened was, like anyone who's ever worked in hospitality, you, you have to you have to be able to put on some a multiple amount of hats. So before I knew it, even though I never mixed a drink in my entire life, I was stuck having to make drinks because we'd be short staffed, you know, and we had a problem with a bar manager. He buggered off. Uh, and the next thing I knew, I was making, you know, writing menus and and uh, doing little nixers and, you know, making Consulpolitan's Brown Thomas for, for ladies who lunch, you know. And um, I actually just grew to, to really enjoy it. I, I understood that, you know, making cocktails and, uh, and, and enjoying the amalgamation of ingredients into spirits is really just like any further extension of, uh, you know, of culinary expression and, and culinary enjoyment. And of course, there always has to be somebody to start these trends off. You know, the, the early adopters have to be the ones to buy them. And I'd say whenever you took off to America through San Francisco, a lot of your schoolmates who had um, maybe given you a stick about the accent were probably fine and jealous that you had the American passport and you could <laughs> a visa and work wherever you wanted. You know, you were definitely the one laughing then. And so this whole love affair with cocktails grew and grew. And another thing then that you did that people probably thought you were mad doing was you opened Ireland's first dedicated drinks consultancy business great yeah. Irish beverages yeah I mean so essentially like from 1999 until um, 2012 I, I stayed on as uh, general manager in the sugar club absolutely loved it we had to stick it out though you know during some very tough um, you know uh, post Celtic Tiger uh, 
economic meltdown years, you know, but, you know, we stuck it out. And what happened was I got really, really into, um, uh, into my Irish foods and, and, and my Irish drinks. And I, you know, still have a lot of friends um, who own restaurants, own event companies, they run festivals. And what, along the way, they were all talking about how, you know, they were rewriting their menus to put, incorporate more Irish uh, foods into them, more more Irish seafoods, more Irish, you know, poultry, whatever it was. And I thought that was great. And then I'd be asking, well, what about the Irish drinks? Like, well, where are your, where's your Irish, where, where are your Irish spirits? Where are your Irish beers? You know, and uh, half the time it'd be met with a blank face, you know, and that started really kind of annoying me to the point where I just said, you know what, I, I need to do something about this. So um, I, I always had done lots of little consultancy work here and there for, for brands. Uh, and I would have been doing quite a lot for the likes of Jemison. And so I decided to set up, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it was the first consultancy for Irish drinks brands called Great Irish Beverages. That's still what I do today. The first year or two were tough. You know, I'm not going to lie. Uh, you know, you'd be telling people like you're you're a drinks consultant and they just like laugh at you like, you know, and <laughs> and uh, tell you where to go. But what happened was, you know, I, I was lucky enough in the sense that uh, it was at a time when I had a really a couple of really good clients who, who, who could uh, help keep the, the you know roof over my head. And then I would just go out there and do any kind of, um, you know, exposure that I could, tr could try and do. I, I was uh, making cocktails every week on News Talk with Tom Dunn. I would go out and do every kind of festival that would have me. Just trying to spread the word, you know, I would run my own campaigns and my own projects and festivals as well. I partnered up with some great people there. We were running everything from, uh, you know, cider and food pairing days to, you know, national gin and tonic festivals. We did the Irish gin and tonic festival. We did Irish cocktail festivals. I've done Irish single pot still whiskey week, lots of different campaigns like that, you know, and um, Jemison were always really, really great with, you know, I started off working with them uh, more so on the innovation side, helping them out with, with new products and new campaigns. And then eventually started just kind of working more with their, their global team for cocktail strategy. So I did a lot of travel. I, I, you know, I saw some amazing countries, brilliant bars. And, you know, that was always great inspiration to try and see how we can make it better in Ireland, too, you know. And you must have seen a huge improvement in Ireland um, in terms of the availability of Irish spirits, like from your time in San Francisco to now the number of different Irish gins, vodkas, even things like um, mead, for example. And, and you've used a lot of those ingredients in your book. So your book is, is nearly like a showcase of all those different Irish brands that are there now. Yeah, I mean, I take great pride in that. You know, I think that um, um, Ireland's drink sector is absolutely booming. There's no, there's no question of that. Like when, when even when I first started out in, in hospitality, it was only a handful of distilleries, you know, and uh, now we've got over 40 distilleries on the island of Ireland producing whiskey alone. Never mind all the other distilleries that are uh, creating clear, clear spirits like gin, pochin, and even rum. Um, so, um, yeah, it's it's insane how how that's really come on, you know, and and it's brilliant to see that you know even small little neighborhood bars in 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 little towns uh, will totally surprise you and knock out a really good Irish whiskey old fashioned, you know, or have a really good uh, gin selection, for instance. You know that that is amazing to see it, and it's fantastic to see it. But like. 
what is lacking, and this is what I wanted to address with the book, was this: the public um, don't have enough um, of a strong skill base when it comes to mixing these amazing spirits, you know, in Ireland, that is, you know, being half American myself, uh, when I go to a, 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 you know, an uncle or an aunt or a cousin for a Thanksgiving dinner or or, 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 or any kind of dinner party, the first thing that's happened to me is a cocktail. You know, my American family have no problem making a really nice martini or a decent margarita, um, whereas th- th- my, my Irish family would struggle over here, you know. But um, so what I wanted to address with the book was, you know, to number one, demystify cocktails and show people that actually, you know, you don't need a whole lot of really good equipment. You don't need, um, you know, to, to spend a, a years working in a cocktail bar or doing a, a cocktail education program to be able to mix these drinks. You can Once you've got the correct ingredients, once you've got the measurements right and a, and a little bit of know-how, you can actually create some great cocktails at home. So none of the cocktails that are in the book call for any professional equipment whatsoever. Every single cocktail that's there, and there's 60 of them, you can just u- utilize uh, everyday kitchen equipment, be it a jug or a, a, a punch bowl or even a fruit bowl, uh, your, your Nutribullet blenders, all sorts of things like that. And of course, what I also wanted to, to highlight and showcase was the amazing spirits, you know, because again, I think that, um, you know, it, it's, it's, they, they just, we could just do what's important more in Ireland, you know, I think even in the media, it's, it's insane how, you know, the, the, the media will wax lyrical and give a two page spread about some, you know, weird orange wine with, you know, yellow and purple polka dots from some strange producer in Galicia or something. And and then totally ignore the fact that we've just come out with this brilliant Irish whiskey that was aged in Irish oak, made with Irish grains. It's like, uh, hello, lads, you know, can we get some more love here for what's made here in Ireland, you know? So I guess that's another reason why I wanted to, um, uh, you know, uh, showcase them as much as possible. Yeah, we have... I've got mead in there. I've got cider producers. I make cocktails with some beers. Um, you know, we have everything from great vodka producers, like guys from Eistel 38. They have an incredible vanilla vodka that I love to use in cocktails. And then just more well-known spirits, like, of course, like Jamison and Tullamore Dew or Teeling and things like that, you know? Interesting what you said about the Americans handling your cocktail, because I'm actually just back from being away for a week with a very good friend who has just moved back from the States in the past couple of years. And she was saying that exact thing and that at home now where they're living in Donegal, they have this drinks cabinet. And like many Irish households, we have whiskey and vodka and gin and cream liqueurs and all sorts of weird and wonderful things in it, but that we don't really drink at home, but they do make ideal cocktail ingredients and one of the things that she was also saying to me was about bitters about an American drinks cabinet would often have bitters in it that you would add to the the spirits then to create a cocktail and we do have an Irish bitters company here in Ireland. We do indeed they're not far from where I live actually um it's owned by a guy called Dara Cuff and uh, it's called Off the Cuff Bitters so a, a brilliant name for the business too um and years ago, one uh, a great project that I worked on with Jemison actually was we made uh, bitters, the first bitters in Ireland, with wild slowberries. Uh, they were picked in Connemara, and it was absolutely a gorgeous product. So yeah, we we literally have so many different ingredients that you can you know utilize here for making classic cocktails or making twists on classics or creating new ones here with with distillers in Ireland. You know, I mean, we, you know, at the end of the day. 
we just need to be more on top of that. You know, if, if we keep on producing these amazing spirits and keep on opening up more distilleries, we just need to understand what we what we can do more with these with these products. You know, to begin with, it starts with, you know, we should be able to mix them really well, but we should also be paying more attention to how we can enjoy them with our foods as well, because that's another thing that I bring it up here and there in the book, but it's something that I work on outside of the book. I just very uh, strong feelings about why we should be pairing more of our Irish foods with Irish drinks, you know, and um, you know, the, I suppose it starts with being able to mix up the cocktails because at the end of the day, you know, I get it. Spirits are, are strong. They're much higher in alcohol than the likes of, you know, a, a wine or a beer, of course. Um, and they will need to be tempered down slightly. They will need to be, you know, adjusted for the palate. And you can do that with cocktails, of course. Um, but you know, this, once you have some of the basics, you can really bang out some great drinks. One of the things I love about the book is the way you've categorized it, because people might think, well, we're in autumn now, so it's not really cocktail weather, but you have a whole section there called winter hand warmers. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is it. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, typically people think of cocktails as summertime drinks, but of course that's you know not the case you know i mean um if that if that were the case god i think uh most of the cocktail bars in the world wouldn't be able to exist at all unless they're all planted onto a tropical island um but to address um how we can enjoy them more during the, during these particular months now that the, the 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 temperature's gone down a bit there's a winter warmers chapter there so for instance there's a really simple one that i've been doing for decades and it's just a, a mulled apple and you just basically get some good quality Irish cloudy apple juice and you mull it, which is another way of saying spicing it. You know, you, you hit it with a bit of honey, you hit it with some lemon, hit it with some spices, things like star anise, ginger, maybe some cardamom pods. Um, and you, you cook that off. And what's great is you, I mean, I love having a pot of that on my stove for, for you know, a week or two during the Christmas period when people are, are, are making social visits and they drop in. You can give them, you know, number one, when you cook it up in, in, in the pot, the, the aromas and the smell of Christmas just envelops your entire gaff. It's great, you know, and it, it gives you that nice, warm, uh, wintry feeling. Um, but then, you know, what's nice is if someone walks in the door, they, if they're driving, you can give them a glass of that, just a nice mold apple on its own. If they're not driving, throw in a, a shot of whiskey, top it up with some of the apple juice and it's you're away in a hack. It's a great drink. And then there's other versions, for instance, of like some because, of course, you know, every Irish person, anytime they've been a little bit under the weather, they've had someone say to them, well, would you not have a hot whiskey? You know, it's like a, a, a go to element for for or sorry, go to cure all for every element, you know. And I've got twists on, on hot whiskeys there, everything from a, a ginger hot whiskey to a pear and chestnut hot whiskey. So, uh, yeah, there's a whole chapter addressing how we can still drink spirits, even in these particular months. And of course, it's very important to drink responsibly. But on the odd occasion that you might just overdo it, you do have a section there on hangover cures. I do indeed. Yeah, it's. I mean, uh, it starts with uh, some classics like uh, uh, the Bloody Mary, you know, and I, I have a, an extremely detailed recipe for that. Uh, that would, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, if there were a Bloody Mary Olympics, this this would win the gold. I'm convinced it's it's from, from decades of uh, trying to nail recipes. I, I'm really happy with that particular one. Uh, and then I have a, a quicker version of it that uses whiskey, actually. It's called a Bloody Molly. 
Um, but then there's our other drinks that will just kind of put a bit of a pep in your step if you're feeling a little fragile. Um, drinks like the, it's like a, Dub, a new Dublin classic now. It's, it's from the 1661 bar on Green Street called the Belfast Coffee. Absolutely stunning cocktail. Not one of my own, I might add. It's, it's from the bar, but they, they kindly uh, allowed me to use the recipe. So indeed, you know, um, you look, we're, we're all human. Everyone overindulges sometimes. <laughs> so it's nice to be able to, uh, to, to uh, address that with, with a couple of relatively stiff drinks. <laughs> of course, when anybody's doing a cookery book and they're doing the photography and the styling and everything, you always have a crew full of people that are just dying to get tucked in to the finished meal. Tell me about the photography um, and the styling of all the drinks and what you did with them after they were finished photographing them. <laughs> I mean, um, I hate waste, you know, I'm not going to lie. I, I, I mean, uh, I, I worked for a chef uh, years ago in San Francisco. He used to say to me, the only thing everyone had seen in the bin were like eggshells and onion peels. You know, we, we would utilize everything. And um, I hate waste even when I'm on shoots as well. So, um, yeah, any of the edible stuff, like any of the fruits and any of the bits and pieces, they wouldn't last long on set anyway. I have a terrible tendency of eating everything that's on the set. Um, but then, yeah, uh, I think maybe I, I gathered together some of the ingredients as best I could and, and utilized them, um, you know, maybe at the weekend when the shoot was over. That was a, it was a tough week. We, we had to shoot like 60 cocktails in a week. It was done brilliantly, I might add, though, um, by Joanne Murphy and Orlin Elegant. Joanne was a photographer and Orlin Elegant's the stylist. I, I tell people like that they, they can take like, you know, the, the most grim, horrible scene and turn it into a Caravaggio. They're just absolute geniuses, the pair of them, the brand. Yeah, the photography is is lovely in it. And as you said at the start, you don't need a lot of specialist equipment to do um, any of the, the cocktails. Most of them can be made using equipment that you have in your, in your kitchen. Though I do think a lot of homes now have a few more cocktail bits and pieces because they're quite a good gift idea. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I think as well, a lot of people were forced to learn how to make some of these drinks during lockdown because there was no, of course, they couldn't access them in the bars and they had spare time in their hands and they, they gave it a go. I mean, it was one of the things I did a lot of. I did a lot of Zoom cocktail demos, literally from, from this exact space I'm speaking to you from. It's an office here in my home. And, um, yeah, I think that that's that definitely kind of sparked a lot of interest in, in people's imaginations. But one, well, you know, the point of the book is even if you don't have any of that equipment, you can still lash out some great ones. Like, and I show people how to do it, you know, with uh, great economy as well. Because you know, I show them how to do things like um, make the equivalent of fourteen old-fashioned cocktails uh, with one whole bottle of whiskey, and and then store that literally batch it all up and store it into a one liter bottle and put it into your fridge. It'll actually keep for weeks, you know, a couple of months if, if you have it there. Um, and so that's, that's interesting too. You know, people are, are really interested in that because it's for the equivalent of like maybe 26, 27 euro, you can make 14 cocktails. So that's, that's always kind of piquing uh, uh, people's interest. Great value for money for sure. <laughs> yeah. And I think everybody has a go-to cocktail. Like my go-to cocktail is the mojito. What is your personal go-to cocktail? What's your favorite? Well, it's funny because I, I will always say that 
you know, um, my cocktail choices will change from season to season. You know, um, like at the end of the day, if it is a nice, gorgeous 25 degree, um, rare uh, <laughs> Dublin day like that, I, you know, I'm going to be drinking something that's long. I would certainly enjoy a something like a mojito or a nice long cocktail like a Collins or something like that. Um, and then I might be more inclined to drink something like an old fashioned in the wintertime or perhaps like a hot drink, like an Irish coffee or, um, you know, a, a hot toddy in the winter. But there's one cocktail that I will have all year round, regardless of what the weather, regardless of where I am. Uh, and that's a Negroni. It's um, just an all time classic. It, it can divide the room. Some people find it a little too bitter. I happen to love it. Um, and if if. For instance, if I feel like a Negroni, but it is a little hot outside, I might just pour it into a long glass and top it up with some soda water. You know, it's it's I, I suppose when I get asked that a lot, I, I do tend to gravitate towards Negroni. Well, it sounds like a good one to have for sure. Austin, congratulations again on the book. It's Irish Kitchen Cocktails, 60 Drinks You Can Make at Home with Everyday Equipment. It's published by Nine Bean Rose, which is Kristen Jensen's um, publishing house. Where can people get their hands on the book? Well, it's available now in all good bookstores. Uh, it's, it, some of the off-licenses as well are getting behind it. And, of course, you can buy it online from 9beanrowbooks.com. Um, and if anyone is in Dublin on the 3rd of November, we are doing a party in industry on, on Jewelry Street. It's an amazing design and lifestyle store. You come down at 6 o'clock, you buy a book office, we'll give you a free Jameson cocktail. And then on November 9th, I'm doing a party in Derby's in London. So if any Irish Londoners out there, because I think half of London seems to be Irish, you know. Um, so if there's any Irish people there uh, knocking around, go on to Eventbrite and hit Derby's. You'll, you'll see the event there. We're doing a book signing party. If you buy a book for £20 on, on Eventbrite, well, come down. I'll give you a book. I'll sign it for you. And I'll give you a Jemison Black Barrel cocktail. Amazing. What's not to love about that, Oshin? <laughs> Indeed. Thanks a million for telling us all about it today. Thanks a million. You're listening to the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM.